And so to get started, if you guys would like to turn to Luke, and we'll just hang out there for a second. We'll start in Luke chapter 5. So tonight's series is called Uncommon, and it's going to be a two-part series. It's going to be super great, but you know, one thing that we notice when we look at the life of Jesus is that he was uncommon. I'm one of those people who my whole life I've gotten those comments like, oh yeah, she's, she's different, she's special, you know, and so sometimes if you're one of those people, <laughs> you take that as an insult because you're like, I get it, I, I get it, but you know what? We're called to be uncommon. When we look at the life of Jesus, the reason he was able to change the world is because he was uncommon. You will never change the world if you're exactly like the world. You can't help people if you're in the same problems that they are. You can't raise people up out of stuff if you're stuck down there with them. So, you know, Jesus single-handedly changed the world. He was one man who changed the world. And usually when people talk about changing the world, I think they're borderline corny. I don't usually like a bunch of quotes about changing the world because I, I don't know, they just, you're just like, okay, yeah, I got it. Okay. Why why don't you just show up to work on time? That would change the world. You know, it would change your world. But you know, I started thinking about this. Jesus literally, he changed the world. We mark time based on his life before Christ, after death. We count the years based on when this guy was alive. And whether you believe Jesus was a son of God or not, you can't deny that he was a revolutionary. He literally changed the world. He changed religion at the time. He changed church. He changed people. He changed the way they thought about God and what they thought was possible for their life. And he did that because he was uncommon. And you know, a lot of times when we think about being different or when I think about being different, my mind automatically goes to behavior. Well, if I'm different and I'm set apart and I follow Jesus, then my behavior is going to be different than that of the world. And you know, I think that's an incorrect way to look at it. It's true that when we're serving God, our behavior may not look like everyone else's and we're not going to participate in the things that everyone participates in. But what makes you uncommon is not your behavior. What makes you uncommon is what's on the inside of you. And Jesus' behavior did not change the world. The way that he acted didn't necessarily change the world. His, you know, stance against sin did not change the world. It was what's inside of him that changed the world. And it was what's inside of him that made him uncommon. The Bible tells us that Jesus was a man. He was a human just like you and me. He was tempted just like you and me. And he had struggles just like you and me. But what made him different than the people he was around was what's on the inside of him. So let's hop over. I had you guys turn to Luke. And tonight we're going to take a look at three traits that made Jesus uncommon. The first one is found in Luke chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 27. And it says, Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Jesus said to him, follow me and be my disciple. So Levi got up, he left everything, and he followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees, so those are the religious church leaders of the day, the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples and said, Why do you eat and drink with such scum? And I was trying to remember. I don't think I've ever called anyone scum, actually. So, I don't know. That's kind of savage. But (laughs) these are the, the leaders of the church. These are the people that are teaching God's word. And when they saw who Jesus was hanging out with, they said, 
Why do you eat and drink with such scum? So I was looking up some things about tax collectors. Jesus was hanging out with tax collectors. People hated tax collectors, and here's why. So tax collectors collected taxes. They came and they took people's money, but they worked for the Roman government, and the Roman government was not popular. This is the same government that later, like, burned people alive in oil and did terrible things to people. They were not a popular government. It was not democratic. The Roman government was hated, so officers of the government were hated, and tax collectors were hated. But here's what really made people hate tax collectors is that they were Jews. So it, it's like if my brother <laughs> became a tax collector, right? We're both Jews, but he starts working for the government that I hate, and he starts going to the houses of my friends and family and robbing them of their money. Tax collectors were known for taking more money than they actually needed to. They were supposed to be collecting taxes, but really they robbed people, and they did it to a level where they were able to get rich. They had huge homes. They had huge parties. They had lavish lifestyles, and everybody else is broke because that person who used to be my friend, who used to be my family member, who was one of us, now is working for the enemy, and he's taking everything that I have, and he's having a great time doing it. That's what tax collectors were. So they were hated by people. They were not liked. People that were Jews or the regular people, they didn't, they didn't associate with tax collectors because of all that extra money. The tax collectors threw parties, but they were known for being very, very worldly, we could say. They did all kinds of crazy, gross things, and that's how the Jews saw them, as gross, rich people that they didn't want to be associated with. So that's how people thought of tax collectors. If you think of the grossest person, the person that you hate the most, the people that you think is so dirty, that's what tax collectors were. They were the people who were drug addicts. They were the people who threw parties and took advantage of people and hired girls for these things. That's what tax collectors were. So these are the people that Jesus is hanging out with. Jesus goes to a dinner as the guest of honor with these tax collectors who everyone hates and who everyone's parents told them, no, you don't associate with them. You don't hang out with them. They do bad things. You're not allowed to be around them. That's what these tax collectors were. And so when people saw Jesus hanging out with them, they were alarmed. They couldn't believe that Jesus was at this party with these people, that he was at this house with these people. He was hanging out, having dinner with Levi and all of his tax collector friends who were just like him. And so this shook everybody up. When you read the story, you're kind of like, okay, Jesus went to a dinner. But he was at a dinner with people who were known for being sinners and who were known for being dirty, evil people. And, you know, he, Jesus was hanging out with people who were viewed as a bad crowd. But, you know, what we have to realize is that Jesus attending that party did not validate the behavior of those people. It was a demonstration of the fact that God's love will reach into the darkest places to save people and pull them out of what they're into. Him going to that party was not saying, oh, it's fine, it's, you know, it, you're, it's okay to steal, and it's okay to sleep around, and it's okay to, to live off the wealth of other people. He was not validating their behavior, but he was showing them the love of God when other people in the church weren't. The Pharisees shunned the tax collectors. They were not allowed to come to church. They were not ministered to. They didn't hear the word of God. But Jesus demonstrated God's love that is willing to go into the darkest places to reach people and to save people. And you know, that had to have marked the tax collectors. That had to have marked them. They would never have expected anyone who was religious or anyone who was following God or anyone who taught the Bible to come and eat with them. 
And, you know, I think it says something about Jesus that those people wanted to hang out with him. He wasn't critical. If he was mean and critical, they wouldn't have invited him to their party. Levi wouldn't have brought all his friends to come hang out with this guy unless he was fun to be around, unless he was encouraging to be around. So, you know, religion will tell yourself to tell you to segregate yourself from bad people, but a relationship with God will draw you to them because it's the love of God that changes bad people. It's the love of God that turns people's behavior around. Your influence of good behavior probably isn't going to have that much effect on them. It's not like you're trying to rub off on them. But no, you're showing them the love of God. You are bringing the love of God into their life so that their behavior can change. And that's the first point. The first thing that made Jesus uncommon was that he was after a relationship, not religion. The Pharisees were not reaching lost people. The Pharisees were not helping people because they were so concerned with segregating themselves from sin and keeping them away from what was dirty that they failed to bring God's love to the people who needed it most. And I love that story so much. If you're interested in reading more on that topic too, Judah Smith wrote a book called Jesus Is, and basically the whole book is about that, and it's super awesome. So if you want to read on that, go ahead and take a look at that book. But next you can turn to John chapter 11. So Jesus was after relationship, not religion. He didn't come to bring religion. The Bible says that he came to bring us life. He didn't come to bring us a set of rules. He didn't come to tell us what we've been doing wrong. It says God sent his son to rescue the the world and to save us when we couldn't save ourselves, not to tell us what we were doing wrong. So Jesus came to bring religion, or sorry, to bring relationship, not religion. So if we look at John chapter 11, what we're going to do here. And this brings us to the second point. And, you know, a lot of people view Jesus as having a charmed life because he was the son of God, so things must have been a lot easier for him. The Bible says he was without sin, so I used to think anyway it was easier for him to not sin than it was for me because he's God and I'm not. But the Bible tells us that Jesus was a man in every way, and he was tempted in every way just like you and I. He just knew what he was here for and made right decisions. It wasn't easier for him. His life wasn't easier than mine because it was the Son of God. But he chose to make the right choices. And we're going to take a look at two passages that were extremely stressful situations for Jesus. In John chapter 11, I'm not going to read it verse for verse just to save time, but this is basically the story of Lazarus. And the Bible tells us there was a guy named Lazarus. He had two sisters, Mary and Martha, and Jesus was really good friends with them and their family. So whenever Jesus was passing through their town, he stopped and he stayed at their house. He had dinner with them. He hung out with them. Just like when you have friends that come in town, you make a point to hang out with them. You guys hang out while they're in the area. Well, that's what Jesus did with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. So he was very close to them, and Lazarus was one of his best friends. So Jesus is in another town a couple days away, and he's preaching, and he gets word that Lazarus had died. And his disciples think they're being full of faith, and they're like, oh, he's probably just sleeping. He's probably just sick. He has the flu. And Jesus looks at his disciples and says, no, Lazarus is dead, and in a few days I'm going to go to him. That's a weird statement. In a few days you're going to miss the funeral, (laughs) so why are you going to go in a couple days? 
but Lazarus was dead. And Lazarus was someone who was close to Jesus. You know, maybe you've had a close friend die and maybe you haven't. But that can be a very unsettling thing to have someone in your life that you're close to die. Especially if it's unexpectedly, especially if they're young. And Lazarus had died and he was someone who was close to Jesus. And his disciples were in such disbelief they, that they said, oh, no, oh, he's not dead. You know, he's probably just sick. We probably heard wrong. And Jesus had to say, no, he's dead, but in a couple days I'll go. So Jesus shows up at Lazarus' sister's house, Mary and Martha, a couple days later. And Martha makes a comment that she says to Jesus, if only you had been here a few days before. So not only is Jesus dealing with the death of his friend, that guy's sister is kind of blaming him for letting Lazarus die, saying, hey, if you had been here, if you hadn't been far away, if you could have gotten here, you would have saved him. He wouldn't have died. That's really heavy. I've never been blamed for someone's death. One time I got blamed for the death of a cat, but it wasn't my fault. But I've never been blamed for the death of a person. Never. That's heavy stuff. This is one of Jesus' close friends. And now that guy's family is trying to accuse Jesus, saying, well, you know, you should have been here. Thanks a lot. If you had been here, maybe he wouldn't be dead. But instead of being shaken in this situation, instead of panicking, Jesus simply went out to Lazarus's tomb. He went to the grave where he was buried, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And when he spoke those words, his friend raised from the dead and walked out of his tomb. Why? Because this is our second point. Jesus walked in power, not in panic. And that made him uncommon. That is a situation where you could easily be panicked, where you could easily be devastated, where you could easily be overcome by grief. But Jesus walked in power, not panic. And look what happened. He brought life to something that was dead because he was walking on the power that was inside of him. He was uncommon. He was not responding the way that everyone else was to that situation. He was responding according to the power of God that was inside of him. And he knew it was going to be all right. He knew he could bring life to that dead situation. So let's take a look at Mark chapter 4. And this is another stressful situation that Jesus was in. And this is one we've been hearing about since preschool. And I think it's really cool. If you've grown up in church, then you've been hearing some of these stories since preschool. But Go read them in a different translation or go read a commentary about them because it's really awesome just to look at these stories from a different point of view. It's something that you know so well, you almost don't see the miracle in it anymore. You don't see how miraculous that is until you really think about what that would be like in real life. So that's something I've been trying to do, and it's really fun, and it makes a difference. So Mark chapter 4. Verse 35, and it says, The storm was so strong that Jesus' disciples were in fear for their lives. So Jesus is in a boat with his disciples. And I'm sorry, I was supposed to look that verse up. I thought I typed it, and I started reading it, and that's not it. So let me look it up real quick. <laughs> I was like, this is not, this doesn't sound like the verse I remember. All right, Mark chapter 4, verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started across, leaving the crowds behind. But soon a fierce storm came up. 
High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. So Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I don't know why that little detail's in the Bible, but it's funny. With his head on a cushion. So the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. And the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. So Jesus and his disciples are out on a boat. They're in the middle of a lake, and this, they're comes up a storm. Maybe it was a storm like last night. I was out driving in the middle of that storm. The lightning was so bright that it illuminated the whole sky, and I just thought, oh my gosh. But anyways, <laughs> this huge storm arises, and I've never actually been on a boat in a storm, but that seems like it would be very unsettling and very rough. And apparently the storm was so bad that Jesus' disciples literally thought they were going to die. When they woke him up, they're blaming him again. Martha's all like, see, if you had been here, you know, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Now Jesus' disciples are saying, don't you care if we drown? Wake up! Wake up and help us! You know, but it, the storm was so bad that they thought they were going to die. They literally thought, this is the end. We're going to drown on this boat. That's a stressful situation. But Jesus, again, instead of panicking, he just woke up and he responded based on what was inside of him. He responded in power. And all he had to do was say, peace, be still. And peace came to that situation. And, you know, in both of these situations, there were people around Jesus who were panicking and those situations are legitimate reasons to panic, I would say. You know, they're big things that were happening in Jesus' life. But instead of succumbing to panic, Jesus simply walked in the power of God and brought life and peace to that situation. And you know, because of what was inside Jesus, he was able to restore those situations that were disastrous when no one else around him could. There was no one else who was there to raise Lazarus from the dead. Everyone that was there with Lazarus was negative about the situation because they were blaming Jesus and they couldn't believe that Jesus would let this happen. Same thing with the boat. There was no one trying to bring peace. There was no one standing up and being an anchor for others. There was just all these people who were screaming, thinking they were going to die. And in these situations, when no one else around him could bring life and peace, Jesus could because he was uncommon. He knew what was inside of him, so he knew that even in the face of something impossible like death, something that seems permanent like death, he could rise up and bring life to that situation because he knew he wasn't like everyone else there. He had something in him that other people didn't have, and so do you. So do you. You can bring hope to situations that seem like they're too far gone. You can bring life to things that seem like they're dead, and you can bring peace to things that you think are destroyed forever because of what's on the inside inside of you because Jesus was uncommon and because he was uncommon we can be uncommon Amen. so that's the second point Jesus walked in power not in panic and you know don't feel bad if you're in a situation and you start to panic that's fine because we all do everyone starts to panic sometimes and everyone starts to go towards a negative direction sometimes but the difference between someone who fails and someone who succeeds is just when you start to panic, you know how to rise up and remind yourself of what's on the inside of you, that the power of God is on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you, and God himself has made you alive when you were spiritually dead forever. So there is nothing that can bring panic into my life and remain. I know that I can have peace and I can have life in every situation because of what's on the inside of me. It's uncommon. So this brings us to our third point. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 9, please. 
And we're going to start in verse 35. And it says, Jesus traveled through all towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues or the churches, and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He healed every disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, this is the part I want to focus on, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, just like a sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the fields. And this is my third and final point tonight. You know, this this verse tells us why Jesus came. And there's a lot more verses that do too. But Jesus came and he taught the people from a place of compassion, not criticism. And sometimes we grow up in church and you know, it's good to know what we need to stay away from in life, and it's good to identify the things that will harm us in life. But, you know, we cannot develop a critical attitude. We must keep our compassion. So it is not our job to tell other people what they're doing wrong. Jesus did not come to tell people what they were doing wrong. He didn't come to give them a list of things that they needed to stop doing. He didn't come to give them a list of rules, but he came with compassion. Every time Jesus spoke, every time Jesus dealt with people, he was moved with compassion, not criticism, not anger, not annoyance because you've been trying to help this person for six months and they're still making the same mistakes that they were at the beginning. No, he moved with compassion and he was always moved with compassion. And that is uncommon. If you've been alive for more than like 10 years, you know that compassion is sometimes hard to come by. Most people in our lives are much quicker to point out our mistakes than they are to encourage us about getting back up again. Most people like to point out how we have fallen and how we could have avoided falling instead of simply stopping and helping pick us back up and push us in the right direction. You know, Jesus didn't come to tell people what they were doing wrong necessarily. He came to pick them up and show them a better life. You know, it's a lot easier to move forward when you're just looking at the goal rather than looking at your problems. You know, we all have issues, we all have problems, and we all have things that we struggle with. But the way to overcome those things is to keep our eyes focused on Jesus and focused on the prize and focus on what we're becoming, not our failures and not what we're in, but focus on what's coming. And that's what Jesus constantly talked about. You know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he would say. And, and you know, he, he showed people what a relationship with God was like. He was a real man who walked around and talked about knowing God. Jesus walked around constantly and talked to people about knowing God. Why? He was pointing them toward what they could have instead of trying to tell them to stop doing what they were doing right here. Rather than just come in and try and make them stop sinning, he shifted their focus onto something that was so much better that they could have. And you know, What's so awesome about the love of God is that it's so appealing. When you hear about a God who loves us so much and who's constantly compassionate and whose mercies are new every single day, that is appealing. That sounds great. That sounds wonderful to have someone who loves me no matter what I do and who will always help me no matter what. And that's what Jesus came to point people towards. You know, the other religious leaders of the day were the Pharisees. And in Luke chapter 18... Jesus tells a story, and he's basically talking about two people who went to the temple to pray. But I want you to listen to this prayer. This is a prayer from a Pharisee. So this is the leader of the church. This is someone who's supposed to be teaching people how to follow God. This is what he stood up and he prayed. He said, I thank you, God, that I am not like the other people. 
cheaters, sinners, adulterers, and I'm certainly not like tax collectors. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. That's not appealing. If that's what religion is, that's not appealing. Pharisees simply stood in front of people and tried to say, my life is better than yours, and I'm better than you. Pharisees were there to tell people what they were doing wrong and show people why they were better than them. They said, my life is better than yours because I'm not a sinner, because I'm not an adulterer, because I'm not a tax collector. I am better than you, and you should be better too. And you know, in stark contrast, Jesus showed up on the scene and he said, let my love change you and make you better. He didn't say, I am better. He didn't say, I'm better than you and I'm less of a sinner than you and I'm perfect because I'm the son of God. He said, no, I know God. God is my father. I know him and you can who? And let his love make you better. My life is not better than yours. I'm here to show you how to make your life better, not tell you how good mine is and how good I am. And that's why Jesus stood out so strongly Pharisees taught about God, and they taught the word, and they taught at church, but Jesus showed up, and he came with love. His attitude was totally different, and this is our our final point, our third point. Jesus' strong suit was compassion, not criticism. And compassion is attractive. You know, if you truly want to help people, if you want to be someone who encourages others and who lifts them up, you must be compassionate, not critical. Because criticism turns people off. We are criticized by people every single day. Maybe you're criticized by parents or by your teachers or by your friends or by counselors. And criticism is very off-putting. Now, there should be people who can speak into your life and maybe tell you you're doing something wrong, and that's okay. Those people love us. People who speak to us sometimes, our parents and, and our friends and stuff at church, they're trying to keep us safe, and they're just trying to make sure we stay on track. But when I go to help other people, I must make sure that I am focused on truly helping them, not correcting them, not changing them. It's not my job to correct or change anyone. That's God's job. And Jesus came and he changed lives, but his his whole point was not changing lives. It was loving people, and that's how lives were changed. He didn't come and give people a list of rules. You know, he didn't stand there and just tell people to stop sinning. He just showed them the love of God because when you know God, you will want to stop sinning. He showed them that they could have a relationship with God as their father. And when you know God and you have a relationship with him, you will want to stop sinning. You won't want to have those things in your life that are holding you back. So Jesus' strong suit was compassion, not criticism. And, you know, Jesus could have preached the very same sermons that he did from a place of arrogance And he would have changed no one because it's hard to listen to someone that you think doesn't really care about you. (laughs) If you think someone is just trying to point out your mistakes and you don't feel like they love you, you're not going to listen to that person. But Jesus loved people and that attitude and that compassion is what made him uncommon. Not the words that he spoke because the Pharisees quoted scripture and talked about the Bible just like Jesus did. The heart behind it is what was different. They spoke from a place of criticism where Jesus spoke from a place of compassion. So I just want to encourage you guys tonight. We all know Jesus is our ultimate example. And, you know, just begin to evaluate yourself. You Don't be hard on yourself, but say, you know, am I really after a relationship with people and with God, or am I focused on rules? Am I so obsessed with overcoming all my failures and shortcomings that I'm missing the point of knowing God? Because as soon as I start to know him better, all my failures, 
fears start to fade away and all those things I struggle with become a whole lot easier to deal with because of my relationship with him. So we need to make sure that we're after a relationship, not religion, that we walk in power, not panic, and that we're strong in compassion and not criticism because those were the things that made Jesus uncommon and enabled him to change the world. It wasn't just because he was God. It's because he walked in these traits that affected people and changed people's lives. So that's all I have for tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. Like I said, if you kind of want more on this topic about how Jesus treated people and how he walked and things like that, then you can check out the book Jesus Is because it's awesome and it's really good. Um, So as we close... Today is my youngest brother Stephen's birthday. Today is his very birthday. Happy 17th birthday. And Chloe Gearing's birthday was yesterday. Is that right? Or it is tomorrow? 